0: You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song for our study on the gospel according to Matthew. Stay tuned to hear church announcements following the sermon. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. All right. So, chapter 12, we're finishing it up here. And Jesus has been talking back and forth. He's been, uh, he just if you were here last week, Jesus just got done telling this story about, uh, about, a, about a demon who like leaves a person's soul and then wanders around, has no place to go, and then this poor demon comes back and inhabits the heart of the person who, was who they left, and because their soul is not full of God, he moves right in with his buddies, and uh, the person is worse than before. And so, uh, yeah, don't, don't let that be you. Don't be that guy keep your heart filled with Jesus, all right? Doesn't matter if you get rid of bad things in your life if you don't invite God to fill your heart. Amen. And so <clears throat> so Jesus is like telling this story. He's in the middle of this parable about this demon. And then while he's doing that, his mom interrupts, right? I don't know. It's it's just interesting how that happens. So let's let's read right there. Uh Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and Mother. This ever happened to you? Like you're doing something, you're hanging out with your friends, then your mom calls, (laughs) you know, your mom shows up and she's like, Yeah, you know, like, let's go. You know, or like I don't know, if you're if you don't have a car, like you're hanging out, you're doing things, and then your parents like pull in early and they're like, Come on, we're waiting for you. And you're like, Come on, just one more. Doing something right now, right? I don't know. It's just like it's kind of like that. Jesus is talking. He's with this, you know. He's with his friends. <laughs> he's he's doing ministry, and then his mom and his family show up. And they're like, "Hey, we have to go, Jesus. Stop what you're doing." Right? It's just a funny scenario to me because we forget that Jesus had a real family, right? Jesus isn't just some uh, mythological character. He was a real human being with a human family, with, with a mother and brothers and sisters. Did you guys know? Like It's weird. We don't think about that a lot. We don't think that Jesus had brothers, younger brothers. He had sisters and he has, he has a mom who like tries to tell him what to do and things like that, who does tell him what to do often. And uh, it's just, we have a God who became a human being. Who knows our struggles? Who knows who we are? Even like the smallest things, he went through everything that you went through. You think you, you know, like you have problems with your family, like you know, Jesus understands those dynamics, for he lived his whole life in a real life family, uh, and so you know, so here he comes. Uh, they come in, and they're like, Jesus, we we. We need to speak to you. We need, we need, we want to talk to you. And we know by looking at other gospel accounts that they are, they misunderstand Jesus. Everywhere in the gospel where it mentions Jesus's actual physical family during his ministry, they were always misunderstanding him. They didn't get what Jesus was about. And I don't know about some of you, especially some of you guys who are in high school and middle school, you're like, yeah, yeah. My family doesn't get me. Well, guess what? Jesus understands because his family never gets him. They think he's He's lost his mind. In Mark, when his family comes, they think that Jesus has lost his mind. And so they try to come to like take charge of him. Right now, Jesus is in the midst of pissing off all of the Pharisees and all of the Sadducees, right? And so uh, the sirens in their head are going off and they're like, we need to take care of, you know, Jesus. He is clearly, you know, not doing what is good for himself. So we need, we know what's best. We have to stop him from doing what he's doing, right? And so Jesus understands what it feels like to be misunderstood by his family members, right? And so God understands like what you're going through, even in like the seemingly mundane things of life as well. But then he does something that's totally shocking. Like oftentimes we read the Bible and we don't, we just read it because it's the Bible and we just read and we read and we don't stop to think about how insane some of the things and how shocking some of the things that happen actually are because they really happen. You know, we, when you we just read it, we don't think about how crazy it is. We just read, we're like, and then he, he walked on the water and then fed 5,000 and then drove out like a thousand demons out of this guy. And they went into pigs and the pigs went off the cliff and you, we just read that, you know, like, right? Not thinking like, that is insane. Like he just, What? Right. And the things that Jesus says. And it's like, and then Jesus said, like, you know, you have to eat my body and my flesh and drink my blood. And we're like, we just move on. But we're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like if someone actually said these things, like that's, that's crazy. That's so crazy. Like if you actually said these things in real life, and the thing is Jesus actually said these things in real life. And so he, he says something again, that's really crazy. So in this culture, like honoring your, your family is is huge. Now, if you're from like a, in Eastern culture, right? That's like anywhere east of here. <laughs> okay. Like, like family is a huge deal, right? Like in, in, you know, in Asian context, like family, you know, family is a big deal. Honoring the family, you got to honor the family, right? You cannot dishonor the family. It's a big deal, right? Everything you do reflects your grades, your, who you marry, your, your job, everything. It's all about bringing honor to the, back to the family. And, uh, and even, in a, you know, even in our Western individualized society, like family is still like one of the biggest things in our lives, it's so important to us. And it, it drives who we are, it, we get our identity from our families. Um, but even more so in the Middle East, family was, is the bedrock of everyone's identity and foundation. During this time, your biological family was like the obsession of the nation. That's why they were devoted to studying and genealogies and bloodlines, you know, for like, and for really especially for the Jews, religiously, your relationship with God was tied to your family. Right? You could not have a relationship with God unless you came from the bloodline of the Israelites. So family was so important. You honoring your family was everything. And then here is Jesus, the, the example of what it means to be the perfect human being. His earthly family comes up to him. They're like, come here. We don't agree with what you're doing. And the way Jesus responds is absolutely Shocking to people in this culture and should be pretty shocking to us. And what he says is, um, who are my family? (laughs) Excuse me. Who, who's my family? They're like your mother and your brother. They're, they're here. They're standing outside. They're in the car. They're waiting for you. Right. And Jesus is like, I don't, who, who is my family? Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Right. Now, why would Jesus ask that question? This is such an obvious question. Right. Like, this is, it almost seems like a dumb question. The reason why Jesus asks this question is because it's so obvious. Like, of course, we, we know who they are. But that, why would Jesus ask if it was so obvious? Because it's not. He is questioning the very reality in which everyone in that society has built their life upon and never questioned before. Our lives are built upon our family. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not. Your life is not built on that. He is questioning the very foundation of everybody's life, which in this culture was the family. And so he asks, he's asking the question to get you to question everything in your life. When you question the very foundation, then you're questioning everything. Because think about it. In this culture and even in yours, your family is where you your, you get your name, right? That's where your name comes from. That's where you get your identity. That's where you get like your physical features. That's where you get, uh, especially in this culture, that's what determined your career, right? Not like today where you just, you know, uh, you get to pick whether you could, you're a doctor or a lawyer, you know. Uh, you can, you actually could be like whatever your family is. Your family des- defines your entire world. They are your chief priority. They define your destiny. Who you can marry, what status you're going to be, how far you can go. Your whole life is predetermined and tied to your family. Who you are, your worth. And Jesus says, nope. This one question, he, he completely flips their world upside down and says, your life is not based on this. And he re- redefines the what family actually is. The core and the root of your identity today, maybe for some of you, it's not family. Maybe for some of you, you don't really care about your family because your family is kind of broken is not what it's supposed to be. Maybe your family, uh, you, when you think about family, you're like, nope, they're not the core of my life, right? There's some of us that are like that because our families, uh, when we think about our family, we're like, no, that's not what drives me. For me, we've replaced family with something else. And so the bottom, the foundation of your life maybe is your your career, or your achievements, or your friends. For a lot of you, you know, especially in middle school, high school, you've re- It's not family anymore, it's friends. That's the foundation of everything you are, right? They tell you what you're worth, right? Who you are, what you're into, and if they are not there, your world falls apart. But for the rest of us, it is family. Like everything, it's about trying to please your mom or your dad, or, you know, trying to get their approval, or trying to live in a way that will make them proud of you, or Or like living in a way so that you can provide for them one day because they, you know, sacrificed all this for you, and now you have to pay them back one day. We're living our lives in the shadow of trying to please our family. And Jesus says, we need to look somewhere else. Our highest priority cannot be those things, but there is another one. There is another thing that our lives need to be built upon, and it's the family that God will give us. And Jesus says. Let me redefine it right here. And he stretches out his hand towards his disciples and says, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. In an instant, Jesus gives a new family, a new foundation for the life of, of the people in the world. In an instant, Jesus just unlocked heaven for everyone. Do you realize what just happened? Back in those days, the only way you can have a relationship with the God of heaven was to be an Israelite. And you had to be born into that society. They were the only ones chosen out of the entire world to have an exclusive relationship with God. And if you weren't born as a Jew, then like tough luck. And in this moment, Jesus just says the family of God is open to everyone. It has no longer has to do with how you've been born. But who God deems that you are and who you are in Him. He just unlocked heaven for everyone in this room because, you know, no one in this room was eligible by Old Testament standards to be the people of God, to be the family of God, until Jesus stretched out His hands and opened heaven for us. A new family, His family. My brother, my mother. My sister, how do you enter into a family? How do you become part of a family? Isn't it Is't it, isn't it obvious? You have to be born into it right? Like you none of us have a choice. You are literally born into your family. you had no say and that's how you enter into a family. You're just born. How do we enter into the family of God? You have to be born again and that's why Jesus says in John chapter three, verse three, let's put that up. He says, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born, one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what happens when you decide to give your life to Jesus by believing in him and letting your old life die. You are born again by the spirit of God. And you are now born into a new family, into the family of God. You know, and there's another way to enter into a new family through marriage, right? When you get married, you are essentially legally joining or creating a brand new family, right? If, and then, you know, depending on which one you are in the marriage, like your, even your name changes, right? And you create a brand new family, right? Like my wife, Grace, when she, when we got married, her name was upgraded right <laughs> from chang to song like upgrade right and like that like that we are literally married into the family of god Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 to 32. It says this, therefore, it's talking about marriage. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Not only are we born again into the family of God, but then as the church, we are literally married in. Too. We, there is a covenant relationship that is created between us and God, as God's people, and we are married into the family of God. But do you know, there's a third way that you could enter into a family legally. You know what that is? It's adoption, right? And God has, and as if God were just really to, He wanted to cover all the bases in Galatians chapter four. Verse four to seven, it says, But when in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because of you, and because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We have been born. We have been married into. We have been adopted into the new family of God. The very foundation of who we are is no longer defined by your earthly lineage, by who your earthly parents are, or what they've done, or who, you know who they are. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with what the world tells you anymore what your career says, what your friends say. I don't know what the foundation of your life was once before that you built, where you got your identity and your worth and your purpose from, but Jesus is saying it's all new now and it's completely based on something else and it's the family of Jesus. And this is where we get our worth, our value, our salvation from. Just think about it. Think about even if you were the perfect mother daughter, sister, you know, to your family members? What if you did it? What if you were the perfect son? You know, you, you, got, you went to the best school and you got the best job and you bought your parents the house and the car and like you let them move in and you had 17 children and like, you know, you did all the things your parents wanted you to do and you bought them a new car for every day of the week and they're so proud of you. Right. Let's say you just did it. You, you lived the immigrant dream and you like did all the stuff. Who knows? You achieved what America offers to us and you are the perfect child and you're the perfect husband or, or wife. At the end, though you may please your earthly family, that's not going to save you. That's not going to connect you with God. That's not going to bring ultimate satisfaction to your soul that can only come through the family of of Jesus and so some of us are working really hard and you know like I I look at some of you guys and you like you're like really good people like you're really great people you work hard, you really care about your parents or you really care about your, your, your family members and you take care of your siblings and you know, or you're like, you're like working to be a really good husband or wife and all of these things. But at the end of the day, if the foundation of our life is not being a child of God, it doesn't matter. And Jesus is saying, I am inviting you into my family. I stretched out my hands on a cross so that you, to make a way into the exclusive family of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, why are you looking for your identity in other places? Don't you see? We've been adopted, married into, born into this new family, and we are now not just servants of God, but we are sons and daughters of God. Romans chapter eight, verse 14 to 17 says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, and the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So what does that mean? If, if you are a Christian, if you accepted Jesus in your heart and you, and Jesus is the Lord of your life and you are born again, if you are a child of God, what does that mean? Three things. It means that you get you, you get a new identity and a new name. I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's a big deal. You get a new identity and a new name. Your name is. It, it tells it's who you are. You know when Jesus met this guy named Simon, the the name Simon meant reed, and it really represented who a reed that sways in the wind back and forth, and. The guy Simon was like that. He was a guy who, whoever he was hanging out with, that's what he was like, right? And he was a coward. And when people would push him, he would just fall over. Temperamental, always changing. And then when Jesus met him, he said, your name is Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus gave him a new name, And no longer who was his name and his identity, who he used to be, which was that crazy guy who was always afraid, who did whatever. He became the rock of the church because that's the name Jesus gave him. And that was the identity he was. For some of us, we're still living in our old identity. You're still like, oh man, I'm such a sinner. I'm so addicted to this. I'm so lazy. I, you know, I suck at this and and that. That's who you used to be. That was your old name. Don't you realize when you became a child of God, he gave you a new name. You are no longer that lazy one who is shackled by your addictions and your sins. You are a son, a daughter of God who has been set free. You have the power to overcome every sin in Jesus' name. The power of the resurrected son of God lives in us. You and I are not just survivors where we just try to survive from one week to the other. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. The lies of the enemy have no hold on us. The anxieties of this world, they do not have a hold on your life because your name is son and daughter of God. We have a new identity and it's not who you used to be. It's not the past. It's not the things you used to be. Peter's identity isn't the guy who denied Jesus three times. Peter's identity is the leader of the church and the rock on which this is all built. There was a guy named Saul who was a Jewish zealot who went and used to persecute and kill Christians. And once he met Jesus, he changed his name to Paul. The Greek version of his name, the Roman version of his name, because now instead of persecuting and becoming a Jewish zealot, he became, he became a missionary to the Gentiles. And now anyone who's not a Jew, who is a Christian, can give thanks to this guy. You know, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter two, verse 17, it says this. It says that God, this is Jesus talking. He says, he who has in here, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. And the churches is us, people who believe in Jesus. To the one who conquers, remember we're conquerors in Jesus. I will give some of the hidden manna. I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. We have a new name that God has given to us that he has ready for us an identity already prepared that we will fully have one day. But he already has it. He already knows our names. And we, that's who we are. Isn't that exciting? There's gonna be a name that's different from your name that was given to you on earth, a heavenly name, which is who you truly are. And that's what we receive. And that's how we live in the power of that identity when we are children of God. Amen? That's who we are. As children of God, we are given an inheritance. If you are someone's child and that person, you know, everything they own one day will be yours, right? And if this is a poor person, if you you know, if you're the child of a poor person, then you don't get much. If you're the child of someone who's super rich, then guess what? One day you will be super rich, right? Did you not realize that when we became Christians, we became heirs to all of the riches of the universe, all of the, the power and the inheritance of the king. And when do we get it? Do we get it when God dies? Because that's what usually when you get inheritance, right? When the parents die, Jesus already died on the cross. So guess when that inheritance is available to us right now. But so many of us are living in poverty We're still living as people who feel like we have no power over our sin. We're still living like we're, you know, we're shackled under the chains of this world. We're still like living with depression and anxiety, thinking that we have no power against any of these things. Don't you realize you have all of the power of God living inside of you? You just need to go and take it. It's like we've been written, like we've been given a check with the, you know, signature of Jesus for an infinite amount of money, but we're just holding on to it. And not cashing it in. You know what I'm saying? And we're just like living like, oh, I can't afford anything. It's like, no, you have to just go cash it in. Cash in the incredible resources of God that have been made available to you. Ephesians chapter one, verse four, it says this. This is all the things that we've been given. It says, even as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, on which He has blessed us in the Beloved, in Him we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight to make known the mystery of His will. Now all this to say, we have forgiveness and redemption and we have wisdom and grace and power and the purpose of God given to us, not one day, but right now. If you're living in guilt and shame, but you're a child of God, then tap into the forgiveness and the redemption that you have today. Cash in the check of forgiveness. And if you need to do it every single day, you, some of us are so stingy with, with like grace as if like it's going to run out on you. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are still living as if you are a child of a poor man who like only can forgive you this much because that's what your earthly parents are like. So every time you mess up, you're afraid of God. Every time, oh, I messed up again. Or every time you don't want to go to God and ask him for this or to that, or this thing seems too petty. That's not our God. Maybe some of us, that's your parents, or maybe that was the people in your life that you grew up around who just didn't have enough to give. But that is not who you've been adopted under. You've been adopted under the God whose grace we can drown in. You can never ask for enough. Every day we wake up and mercy, infinite mercy is made available to us. Why? Oh, why are we still living in guilt and shame, thinking that we have to work it off, that we have to pay for anything anymore when we have all of infinity, infinity? at our fingertips. Ask for grace today. Ask for forgiveness. Confess again and breathe in His mercy. Amen. That's how we live as children of God. It's like, remember I said last week, it's like spiritual breathing. That That's how we stay alive in God. You breathe out your confession of your sins and you breathe in the grace of God. It'll never run out in Him. Amen you're like, "Oh, am I if I keep doing that, like, w- won't I just be taking advantage of the grace of God?" No, that grace is going to transform you. So you just keep breathing. Keep cashing in the check. It will not run out. You have an inheritance that is everlasting in Jesus. You have power that is unlimited that we have access to in God. Third thing, as a child, you Of God, you have exclusive access to him. You know, you can't pick up your phone and call the Queen of England. You can't. I don't care how much you try to go and have a chat with the Queen. You can't do it. But you know who can? Probably her kids. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just guessing, right? I mean, I don't care how you feel about him, but you can't really talk to Donald Trump. I I guess you could tweet at him, but you know. You can't really like talk to the guy. But I bet, you know, his daughter can. I don't know about his sons, but his daughter can, right? Like, uh, okay, let's not go there. Let me give you, let's do a better example, better example. Okay, so my children, my children, I have a, one, I have a you know, three-year-old and a, an a, and a almost two-year-old. Last night, or I guess earlier, early this morning, while it was still dark, we hear our door open, and then they just crawl in. To to our bed. All right. And you know what we do? We let them because they're our children. They have access, exclusive, intimate access to like the most intimate places of our lives, right? Because they're our children. Now, if any of y'all <laughs> came to my house at like, you know, five in the morning and crawled into my bed. Like I Listen, like as a pastor, I love you guys. But that's not okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You do not have that kind of access to my life, all right? Because I'm not your father and you're not my child. All right? That's that's where I draw the line. I draw the line very far back from that, right? Don't don't ever do that. Please. But here's the thing, we have that kind of access to the God of the universe because he calls us son and daughter. You and I could literally crawl in <laughs> to the throne room of grace at any time. There is no right or wrong time. You know, back in the day in the people of Israel, there was only one person once a year that was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies in the temple once a year. After many blood sacrifices and all these rituals, one dude out of the entire nation was able to go even near the presence of God and no one else could even get close to him. You and I, Have access to the Almighty, holy, powerful God of the universe at every moment of every single day. We can go directly into his presence every single time we pray. And every time he will say, Come. He will allow us to snuggle up into the into the giant bed of his holiness. And he'll just hold us as his children. He'll be like, What? You have a you have a bad dream? You know, like, what's the matter? Our children don't even give us reasons because they can't talk, they just come in. Let me give you an example from every single gospel. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. It says, ask whatever whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Luke 11, 13. Even though you are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. John 15, 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit shall remain. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. You and I, if we are children of God, have access to the Father at any and at all times. Are you taking advantage of that? Or do you just wait till like, It's the last resort. You wait till like everything in your life falls apart and then you cry out to God. And then you go, you know, some people are like, yeah, when my life falls apart and I cry out to God, that's when I feel closest to God. Do you really have to wait until your life is being destroyed for you to have intimate access to God when you can literally have it every single day, every moment of the day? Why are you waiting? Why do so many of us wait for, yeah, just those special moments to cry out to God? When we can have it all the time. Do you lack wisdom and you don't know what to do with your life or where you're supposed to go? James chapter 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Do you believe that? That's not me making that up. This is like the Bible, okay? This is God. people writing inspired by the spirit of God. Do you lack peace? Are you filled with anxiety and you don't know what to do? John chapter 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let your hearts let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is Jesus Christ saying this to you. Do you not take hold of it as his child? You just need to ask him. Go to, go to him. We are children of God. We are given a new foundation on which to live our lives. It is no longer, even what our families, our earthly families, sometimes we feel so trapped by, you know, the families we've been born in. We look at the mistakes of our parents and we think, I'm going to be like that. And you're so afraid that you're just going to repeat the same generational mistakes of your parents. No, we are not defined even by our parents' mistakes. Our parents aren't perfect, and neither are you. You're even, if you once you have children, your children are not bound to your mistakes. You know, that's why parent, like a lot of you aren't parents yet, but so many of my friends who, who raise children, they're paralyzed with the fear that I'm going to mess up my kid. And they try, you know, and then like raising their kid becomes their idol, but they need to realize these kids just need God. And then God becomes their father and they're going to be fine. We, when our foundation becomes the Lord, I don't care how messed up your past is, how you, how messed up you think your parents screwed you up or weren't there for you. You belong to God now. And their bad traits will be replaced by the attributes of your Heavenly Father. So go to Him. Let's trust in Him. If you have been living your life on a different foundation today, the Heavenly Father is inviting you. He is stretching out His arms and He's saying, come, and join my family. I want to adopt you. I want you to let go of your life, to be born again, and to receive the fullness of life that I have ready for you. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Han Vision Podcast. We hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.